Welcome to the Humans of Payroll podcast. My name is Melanie Pitsey. I am the CEO of the Global Payroll Association. During this series, I wanted to introduce you to some of the talented, driven and hardworking individuals I have met within the payroll industry. And what better way than the Humans of Payroll podcast? to this episode of Humans of Payroll and I'm delighted to say we have Will Jackson uh, who's joined us today. So hi Will, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone? Hi Mel, my name is Will Jackson, I am the Managing Director for Zolaris. So Will, for those um, people that don't know you, because I know you have a little fan base going on there, would you um, like to tell everyone how you got into payroll and and a bit about yourself? Yeah, well, like I ask everyone how they got into payroll and it's the same answer as mine, which is accidentally. So I fell into payroll a long, long time ago and have indirectly worked around it pretty much my whole career from running payrolls to implementing payrolls to running businesses that do that. And that's kind of where I am now, really. So you started off processing payrolls? Yeah, yeah. Gross to nets manually. I don't think I could do it now. But I was pretty no. good at it at the time. Um, but yeah, I, was, I always liked um, logic and I'm very binary. And uh, that's the way I process. So I was, um, yeah, I was kind of like the spreadsheet guru in a department as a temp. And I got hoiked in saying, oh, he's good with spreadsheets. And uh, and that's really how it started. So a lot of it started manually for me um, and around HR and payroll, really. But yeah, payroll was the one that really floated my boat because it was, it was just either right or, or wrong. <laughs> right. And so, what, so it was a temp job that got you started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a it was a large council. In fact, it wasn't. It, it was a it was a large district council. Um, I did do some a lot of work in the public sector. I think I had around ten years. I think I worked in and around the public sector in one way or another, uh, which was quite interesting, really, just to see the differences with with how the private industry operates. But but yeah, no, it was just an admin, you know, temp admin job in a, in an office, and it was in that department and. And that's how I ended up. Yeah, just uh, I'd, it was archaic, very heavy manual paperwork. And I, I introduced them to spreadsheets. And then in long after that, kind of access databases and things just to try and automate processes, really, and be more accurate. And they love that. So, yeah, I ended up staying on as a permanent employee and then kind of moved around there, really. So. Yeah, so when, when when did you get into like the private sector then? So you were with local government what for ten years and then you moved in and, and did you, when you moved into the private sector did you notice like a massive difference? Yeah, well I started in the private private sector when I was I think probably eighteen nineteen and I was doing technical design work. I actually designed drainage and roofing and and that was again very mathematical because it was around without sounding too odd but about flow of. Um, water and <laughs> things <laughs> and um, yeah and I, I quite enjoyed that but I was I was never very strong at maths at school I just wasn't really that interested with it so um, I kind of always found that I learned very well on the on the hoof really and so I, I managed to blag this job in doing this technical design work so I'm quite good at blagging things and um, yeah and, and I just learned very quickly without just one step ahead from any of the management realizing that I probably wasn't that knowledgeable about <laughs> maths and designing so yeah that's how I started and that was so I worked for uh, several years in that in that position and then actually worked abroad um, contracting and uh, for about four or five years and it was only then when I came back and got my temp job in kind of um, you know um, in the public sector just as something to do but when I was working abroad, I, I found myself landing contract work in sometimes 
payroll and HR and technology. So it was always around that. But it was only that initial job that was around rain and water before it started to get more <laughs> HR payroll. I wonder how many people listening to today who have actually ever done that job. Not many, I reckon. No, there's, there's actually, <laughs> funnily enough, there's a hotel in Chesterfield that I designed the drainage for. And um, and it, it's even with all the rain, I've never seen that car park flooded. So I obviously got it kind of right, I think. <laughs> Do you feel like you want to go there when it's a bit of heavy rain just to see if it's working? I've always felt there's an element of imposter syndrome going on with that design kind of drainage. Hello. (laughs) So I think there's there's an element of uh, I'd just stay away just in case it doesn't, you know. But I suppose it was a long time ago now, so I'm sure if it it floods now, then it's just, you know, parts. Yeah, they haven't updated the the drainage. (laughs) But no, good experience. Yeah. So you moved into the private sector. Um, what 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 did you sort of like notice the difference there? How how did that go? Um, I mean, there were there was a lot more um, a lot more red tape. I think around it, it was it was a lot more hierarchical. I found as well. I think that was the one thing I found about the public sector. But then also I found that it was it was a lot more. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think what the word is really. I don't want to use the word bureaucratic because that sounds like it's a negative thing, but there are a lot more I felt practices and procedures and processes, especially around HR, um, which which were just followed slightly, you know, especially around equal opportunities and things like that, you know, where where a lot of the recruiting processes as well wasn't just kind of, oh, that's the perfect person for this job, go and hire them. There was actually these kind of rigid processes that ensured that there was equality in things like recruitment. And actually, I thought that was quite good. So, you know, how many times I've worked in the private industry where people hire their mates and it's yeah. just not the best person for the job, whereas especially in the public sector, I found that it was um, it was, it was slightly different. As in it did feel very equal. And I know I know some people would criticise that, but, on you know, it, it was processed with equality in mind, I think, and that's what I quite liked. And I also like the kind of services for local people as well. I always felt like working on the public purse providing services back it always felt um a little little rewarding in a different way rather than just trying to you know turn as much profit as possible yeah because i i actually had a year out of of my background's recruitment and i had a year out and i worked for um Hopshire county council for a year and working from a sort of private sector working for Hopshire county council was like one of the biggest learning curves i've ever had in my life it was such a a different environment but you are right you know there are some elements where you know when you go to the canteen and you've literally got a different type of person in the canteen you know there's there's no judgment it's all about your skill set not on what you look like who you are and and it and it just opens up the world where you are you are right in you know people recruit their mates or whatever and, and it's all that same type of person but public uh public sector was really truly uh just all about your skill set pretty much yeah and the way that the way that tendering and procurement goes on as well it's a lot more i mean i, I have two views on procurement but definitely the, the public sector again it was a fair and and general generally a fair process from what i experienced anyway it was fair and considered and open uh, and transparent and I, I did like that about it as well yeah. Um, but I mean, the one thing I, I will always say is, you know, my time in, in working in the public industry was the thing that really exposed me to a lot of the things that I 
that I did as a career afterwards as well. And that sounds a bit odd, but you know, the one of the local governments I worked with, a large one, they implemented SAP. Without without me being involved in that, I would have never then pursued a career in SAP, which I love. Um, mm. And then ultimately wouldn't have led me on to the next thing, the next thing. And, and I think what I did feel is I, I had a lot of um, development in, in the public industry to expose me to those things that ultimately advanced me further. Um, and I think the stigma is that that isn't there sometimes, you know, people are just a job for life. Whereas actually for me, I just, uh, it, it was for a little while, but actually I'm not a job for life kind of guy. And, but it, it was a perfect stepping stone for me and it gave me the exposure I needed to progress where I wanted to go. Um, mm. And I, I met some fantastic and worked with fantastic people there. And, and some of them now work with me in Zolaris. So, yeah, I, it's great. The only thing, only criticism I had working in, uh, sort of local government was that um, the department was so quiet that when the phone rang, it used to scare the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember. I mean, I always tried to just sort of glamour it up a bit. They, you know, especially in payroll, some some of the guys that have been. I mean, it's tr- I'm trying to watch my words as well because obviously these guys probably <laughs> still work around, and they they all know who I am. I mean, I'm quite a memorable kind of bloke, but I do remember working in one place, and I'm not going to say what it was, and. You know, I, I literally halved the average age when I walked through the door there. And and I, you know, I said, well, we ought to put a, you know, a radio on or something. Listen to it. No, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. I'm like, no, come on. Let's liven it up a bit. You know, this, you know, Ken Bruce, you know. No. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a bit of Ken Bruce. Yeah, Steve Bright <laughs> in the afternoon, cheer everyone up. And, you know, it's but But no, I did. I was quite like that. I, I was always the young one in payroll, I think. Uh, I'm not now, but I think I always was. I quite like that. Well, I worked for the Management Information Unit. Who, I did. who would think that? Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, and my nickname was Golden Balls. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you, can you they, say I think they, they hated me as soon as they walked through the door because I was like this cocky ex recruitment consultant who had loads of, <laughs> loads of confidence. And, and they were, they, I used to walk in and be like, oh, here comes Golden Balls again. Well, I- <laughs> But when, when I mean, I that's that's how it ultimately I ended up working in SAP. Actually, is from my job in management information. So I used to work uh, supporting a recruitment system, which uh-huh. fundamentally was run on a SQL Server database. And I, I, we used to connect recruitment data and HR data together to almost make workflows. You know, like uh-huh. people are spending millions of pounds on these softwares now that, that that it's just one workflow from recruitment to onboarding to HR record to payroll. Well, we, we were creating these with all these crappy little mainframe kind of, you know, SQL. We were connecting them up and putting little layers of user experience things over the top to create workflows. And, and, and yeah, and I remember being in a meeting one day, they pulled me in because I knew the HR system really well. And they pulled me in the meeting and said, well, we're trying to migrate everyone to this new system, which is called SAP. And, we're really struggling and I remember saying well you want to just do that bit and do that and do a bit of that and add that bit in there and merge that bit and then you'll probably have a decent file and they went great you could be on the project team <laughs> that's how I ended up that's how I ended up working on that project and um you've definitely got like a passion for SAP then so so that's what you're tell me a bit about now then where, where you are now and what you're doing because obviously yeah. it's very different isn't it from before it, to where you are now it is, yeah. I mean, I, I I kind of stepped into that that massive HR payroll procurement project in a large organisation, and I loved SAP. I absolutely, and I say it like I don't anymore, but my passion was 
um, configuring that system to for accuracy around time and payroll. And it was it was just just perfect for me. It was just just perfect programming. Um, but it was like functional programs. So it wasn't like deep code stuff. It was kind of like tables and little schemas and rules and calculative steps. It was brilliant. And um, and I loved it. And then I joined, I left, uh, I left there and I joined an oil and gas company doing that, but on a multi-country level. Oh, and then I was in my element. But then my manager, my manager actually left. And um, I always joke that I was the one not concentrating when, when somebody asked the question, who wants to be the manager? And I put my hand up. And then I ended up stepping into management. And then from that point, I don't think I've really done any configuration SAP at all. And I I, I loved management at that point. And, um, and 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 I've been managing teams around SAP. So I'm kind of around it a little bit, but I haven't done any configuration for quite a number of years. But um, I've still got the books on the shelf behind me. <laughs> yeah, with all Never like you might go back. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, well, maybe. Yeah, I've always said I, I'll always be able to do that if 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 I got, you know, kind of sacked off with management or something like that, or I was really bad at it or whatever. And But yeah, so so um, the technologies I work around are predominantly still SAP. Uh, but mm. now, yeah, I don't I don't dabble in them apart from to approve things and, you know, as a user. Because like whenever we used to speak to people that were dealing with maybe SAP or some of the larger um, systems, they always felt like it was hard to to implement them or to deal with them is it just that if you've got the knack you've got the knack if you know what I mean and you know what you're doing um, or yeah there's all I think there's always a bit of that I've, I've, I've always insisted with the fact that the the difficulty isn't actually configuring the system the difficulty is trying to understand what's actually needed mm. and it's a, it's a kind of a bit like a lot of people will know what they need kind of think they know what they need but actually the the art of it of any consultancy I think is trying to take what somebody wants and actually is is using that to to really get it to what they want because most of the people asking for certain things they're not they're not they've not got the fortune of hindsight so i think and i think that's you know being a good consultant is i don't think it's a it is you know it is difficult to configure a big system to work correctly sure it is but i think i think i think half of it's actually working with understanding what the, the requirements are so um, get your house in order I think so. Yeah. And then I think the yeah. And I think the other the other half is as well is trying to remove the technical jargon from a business conversation. And I think if I was to give anybody anyone advice is, is, you know, if you're talking to the business about implementing a new technology, you have to talk to the business in, in terms the business understand. Otherwise, you get gray areas. And and I think that's one of the the good things, I think, that uh, that that where I've worked as well is is the fact that is trying to trying to turn technology speak into business speak. So you're you're at Solaris now. So what's what's your position at Solaris? And tell us a bit about what you do. Yeah. Now. Okay. Uh, so I'm I'm the I'm the UKMD, and uh, I'm I'm an EVP, which I think an executive vice president always sounds a bit special, um, which I think European term I think more, but um, for the Solaris as a group. So we're headquartered in Norway. And um, and I I'm a, I sit on the board of, of operational directors for Zolaris, but I'm operationally responsible for UK, Ireland, and France. Um, I'm starting to dabble in a bit of uh, new expansions as well. There's a couple of countries we're looking to expand with with some of our clients, and I really quite enjoy that bit as well. Um, so yeah, we're uh, as a company. There's there's about 850 of us now, I think, 
And in the UK, there's a UK island of France is less than 100. And what's it like working for a Scandinavian organisation? Well, it wasn't always a Scandinavian organisation. But yeah, oh. Zolaris acquired uh, a company called Rock Group in 2017. And I was one of the directors with Rock Group. Um, so and we were, that was a UK headquartered company. So, yeah, we were acquired by, by the Norwegians. And um, the, the nice thing, actually, I don't know whether it's a Norwegian culture kind of thing or just the way that Zolaris have done it is, They've they've really let us keep the kind of library that was the company that they acquired. So I think I've been through enough acquisitions now to see that sometimes, you know, the original company just kind of rolled all over and you adopted the new parent company. Whereas actually Zolaris let let us operate and, and do a lot of the post-merger integration led by ourselves with a really nice kind of Norwegian Norwegian feel. So it's I think it's a very people-centric organization, which is what Rock was. Um so I think, yeah, I think that's, uh, I quite like it, actually. I think it's great. It's, it's uh, I'm left on my own. I'm not kind of on a, on a you know, I've got a, a freedom. So I feel like there's an element of that entrepreneurship. You can kind of push into your own geographies and, and I have a really good relationship with my boss, who's the CEO. Well, I think I, I think I do. I don't know. I think I have a great relationship with him. He might think differently, but no, he's a great guy. And I, I like, I like working with him, which is what it feels like, which is I think how it should be. Yeah, I think sometimes when you um, come across companies that have been acquired, culture changes and it's just, you know, a huge learning curve for both organisations and, is you know, it's unsettled, isn't it? So if you both got similar um, ethics within an organisation, surely that would help quite a lot, wouldn't it, I would have thought? Yeah, and I mean, I mean without wanting to sound at all arrogant, which isn't my 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 back, um, I think as well is I wanted to kind of lead the PMI process as well. I'd done it in a couple of other organizations. And I think Hans Petter, the CEO, I think he recognized that maybe and and let us do that. So I think it has to work quite mutually. I mean some sometimes it can't, you know, if you've not got the experience in the company you're acquiring to kind of to to drive it a little bit more, then you have to drive it from the parent company. Whereas I think it was established quite early on that that I was quite okay doing that and and they're quite happy with well I'm still here. So I've obviously not too bad. That's good. Good. And um, do you think you'll always stay in payroll now? Uh, I think I will always. Yes, I think so. Um, I mean, I don't know whether I'd exclusively stay in payroll. I mean, I mean, I came from a kind of, uh, you know, a technology kind of software background in payroll, you know, payroll technology in HR. So I think definitely I like the technology um, and I I like technology as a whole. Um, Payroll is just really... uh, natural to me I think I just understand it I think so I'd like to stay in payroll but again I I never set out with a career path so there could be just something as exciting as payroll just out there waiting for me to find it so I always leave the door open but I would always keep a hand in payroll definitely yeah so we talk a lot about um payroll (laughs) when we meet up don't we obviously and um, imagine the people sitting next to us at the dinner table. No. Saying, wow, they have really interesting conversations. We'd, we'd walk in and they'd say, "Look at these guys; they're all like clearly a first date." You know, they're a bit, you know, <laughs> they've got that uncomfortable distance between each other. They're, not, they're clearly not a couple, so they're on first date. And then let's listen to them. Like, wow, they're weird. They're weird. They're, they're talking about payroll. Really, yeah. the first date. 
And they're like, what is payroll? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, yeah what, is, what is payroll? I mean, what is payroll? I've got pay slips. these pay slips we get. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe it's something to do with that. You don't get pay slips anymore, Mel. Honestly, nobody gets uh, pay, You view them online by uh, a very nice corporate. You know what I used to remember? Getting a little um, plastic bag uh-huh. with a pay slip and some cash in it when I used yeah. to do my jobs. Oh, little square brown so exciting. Yeah. yeah. I had two yeah. paper rounds in a week and mm-hmm. I think I was like the richest 13-year-old. Wow, you must paper, have... paper envelopes. Two paper rounds in a week? What? Surely it wasn't the same paper. No, it, was, no, it wasn't. It's two different ones. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, those were the days. All those people who were too young to remember that. they remember were the ones with the perforated slip down the side? Yeah, that yeah, was it, that was that was like an upgrade, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. That was like, wow, it's confidential. It's, it's in a thing that, yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, and you'd be quite satisfied, didn't it? Opening it up. Yeah. Anyway, well, I'll tell you the other thing I miss as well is, do you remember being in a payroll department and that you'd have a printer at the other end that would make um, that noise, that scratchy yeah. kind of horrible noise, printing all the lines out on, on green and white paper. Yeah. I don't think you can even buy them anymore. I'm going to have one in here. I'm going to get one. <laughs> Periodically, when, when Zoom calls get really annoying, I'm just going to turn it on and print some stuff. <laughs> just do it. I, I remember going to see clients and they actually had the big room just for those printers. Or yeah. I remember my dad bringing that paper home so we yeah. could draw on it as Draw kids. on it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it used to be a bit annoying because it was green and white. So yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, you had to I quite it over. like that though. I quite like that because it, you know, it's nice and like lines. It was organised. It was quite like that. When it's just a blank piece, I get all I'm writing at angles. <laughs> like the lines keeps me disciplined. It's like, it's like amazing, isn't it? How much it's changed, isn't it? Yeah. And then you know, like what's what's the future going to be? Obviously, everything's going to be online now, isn't it? And I don't know. What, what do you think the future's yeah, going mean, to look like? I, I, I wouldn't want to be a filing cabinet. I think if I was if I was like reincarnated now as a filing cabinet, I'd think, oh wow, that was a, that was bad. That was bad. <laughs> Dump. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I think because that's the other and those boxes. Do you remember the cardboard boxes you use for offsite yeah. storage? I mean, all of that has got to go, hasn't it? I mean, you know, it's not sustainable either. Paper printing, yeah. you know, just uh, printers. Yeah. Point, you know and. It's all got to go, really, but um, but it's but it's got to be replaced with something that's really like accessible and intu- intuitive. And I think automation. Yeah, exactly. And and I think less, you know, because there's nothing worse than printing something to PDF and then uploading it onto something so someone can see it. That seems a bit bonkers as well. So yeah, I think yeah, I think automation definitely. And, and I know I know what we do is we rely on achieving high levels of automation automation because irrelevant if you've got a supplier doing it or you do it yourself in-house you still got to have the same effort if you don't change the technology yeah so you think well we've got to rely on good technology so we have less people effort to do something and then and then you know like some people are are worried about automation that is it going to be the end of the some of some payroll positions but Uh, I think it would just allow people to do more interesting things you know like get rid of the the dull part of the job and then make it you know you can do more exciting interesting yeah there's stuff. a kind of really really big bad myth that we think well if we, if we start to like have like use robotics and ai and all this automation we'll just have loads of people in in the in the job club queue but yeah. it's not because actually roles evolve as well so as the technology evolves so do people's roles and you're right you get exposed to different areas of the business or or you know it, but it's not that suddenly this replaces that it's just it's all evolving so everything is so 
you know, and I'm sure there's some displacement when you, you know, implement new technologies and things like that. But that's what it is. It's, it's displacement. It's not necessarily that suddenly like loads of people just don't have jobs anymore. No, I think um, one thing is that we do need to, when, when I was talking about when we meet up about talking about how we um, improve the profile of payroll. So I do, I do think that's one of the important things that we need to do over the next few years is really start looking at, you know, the payroll as a whole and how, you know, we all promote it and how, you know, how we get it to the C-suite. Because yeah, yeah, ridiculously, if, you think, if you think about what's happened at COVID, so I'm uh, writing a presentation at the moment. I was just thinking about COVID. Every country had their own changes, legislation changes, didn't they? And if you had a global role, then, oh, you know, oh my God, you had loads and loads of legislation changes. And I haven't heard one awful story of nobody getting paid. You know, everyone got paid. There's not one horror story that I've heard of. And, um, and you just think, we've done a really good job, you know, and the profile was yeah. raised. And we've really got to keep, pushing that forward don't we yeah I, I i agree and and i think we, when we spoke before i think there's been especially in finance and hr there's been kind of kind of an event that's happened i mean the financial crash is always the one i use there that's spurred on the a profile of finance and same with hr and and i think i think you could you could argue that covid's been or should be the thing that that kind of is the thing that brings pay, payroll into the, the limelight a bit. And you, I mean, and, and yeah, I agree. I've not heard any horror stories either. And, and that's really just down to the fact that payroll people are really cool and they really get the job done and they stay until the job's done and they work yeah. really hard generally. And, but actually it, I think no one's shouting about that either. No. I think at the same time, the, the staff running payrolls, they were also heavily disrupted by this. You know, I mean, can you imagine trying to do payroll calculations or retrospective payroll in your kitchen while you've got a young child that needs some sort of home working? I mean, I had it here. And, you know, you just think, oh, how can you concentrate on that? But it got done and things happened. And I think I think it does need something now to say, right, OK, well, that could have been really bad. Can you imagine if legislation hadn't been implemented or, there, you know, hadn't things hadn't been actioned quick enough and people were, I mean, it would have just been carnage globally as well. I agree with you. And, you know, um, even when you're, you're, you know, when I was meeting people during that time, you know, I don't have children and I don't know how I personally would have coached doing my job, having children, schoolwork and juggling everything, but people were doing that, you know, and and a lot of people were tired. You know, a lot of people were tired during that time. Mm, yeah, um, because they're having to cope to get everything done. Yeah, and 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 a lot of you're absolutely right. Having the kids at home and actually, well, you know, it, it was difficult to kind of because you couldn't go anywhere. So you've not you've got kids at home who were who were just pretty bored as well. And and then you you're obviously trying to keep on top of um, classes on online classes at school as well. So you and then there's homeworks and things. So it was just really it was really difficult for I think any any anybody through the process. And I think really everybody found it difficult whether you got kids or don't have kids I think it's irrelevant I think it was just restrictive with you know what you're normally used to I mean I was used to traveling extensively to see clients and potential clients and and staff and I couldn't and and I you know it's taken a long time to actually spend some time with people and it's weird as well when you start to do it again a lot 
you think there's like a shuffle, isn't there, when you meet people? I don't know like, what to do. Do you, do, you, do you hug? Do you want to hug? Are you hugging? Yeah. Are you shaking hands? Are you... <laughs> yeah. I like a fist pump, uh, but my kids say I just look like some stupid dad trying to be cool, which is right, I am. But I do like a fist pump. I'd like to keep that. I do, I do miss a hug now and then. Yeah. You know, there's just sometimes a good hug is just great. I know. Well, I was in Dublin a couple of weeks ago and everyone's still wearing masks. So, again, you've got the cultural differences or the country differences. So in London, everyone pretty much is full on hugging, high yeah. drinking. You wouldn't have thought there was necessarily COVID when you go out. And then you're, you're then quickly reminded when you go to other countries or places where you wear the mask. And, OK, yeah, they're, you know, we we still need to remember you know what's yeah. going on and I, I agree I was in London last week and it was you just would it did, didn't even really cross my mind I went to a, a client site and um and obviously they had um a process there and that was fine but it was only then you know when you're walking around or you're you know you, you, yeah it's just not you just don't see many reminders of it and even on the trains as well no one wore, no one was wearing a mask on the trains and uh, those tube strikes yeah so loads you- of trains but. So you're not from London, are you? Whereabouts are you based? No, so I'm based. I'm based in the beautiful Peak District. So I'm I'm a, I'm basically a country bumpkin, the hillbilly boy, ex mining town kind of you know countryside kid really. So yeah, I like hills, trees, space, um, and so London for me is still slightly exciting, but also um, there's not enough trees or hills there, so I do find it a little bit weird. So I do love coming home, and I've always said. Until I that sounds really wrong, actually. I love coming home. I love coming back to Derbyshire after going anywhere. Yeah. And I've always thought that's why I probably would never go and live in London or anything. I've lived in all sorts of places throughout the world, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I do, I do like Derbyshire. It's beautiful. And did that help you during COVID to relax, having that space to go out and walk or? Yeah, I mean, I, I do my, I always do my, my walking NEDs. So I do a little bit of advisory work for a number of companies. And, and um, I found in the lockdown, that was a thing that kept me, I'm, not, I'm an ex-rugby player, basically with knackered knees and back. So um, I, I kind of, walking for me is the exercise. And yeah, so I used to take a lot of phone calls on there. And I'd encourage as well, the guys that work in the business to do the same. You know, you can, you're sitting on calls all day. Well, just do one while you're walking. You know, it's yeah. not like a customer one, maybe. And even then, some people didn't mind. But yeah, I do. Yeah, I love getting out and about. Well, there's some beautiful walks around here. But yeah, you can. It's surprising how much actually of the work you do, you can do when you're just walking along, as long as you're not going up a mountain or yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. Find a flat piece of road and have a walk. It's great. And I think that's really important, isn't it? Because I, I feel like the last two, well, it's coming up. Is it two and a half years or two, two whatever years? I feel like I've just sat down a hell of a lot, like so much. And so I've I've actually started doing exercise and then I've done my Achilles in. So even that didn't work. <laughs> well, I, I think it's two years because I, I think the last event I went to before that first full lockdown was your conference in yes, London. Yeah. And that so, and that was March, March the 20th or something like that. I think they locked down or somewhere around there. So at that summit, we knew we weren't going to see each other for a while, didn't we? But we didn't. We never expected it would be like two years. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was almost that time where we thought oh, it's just a cold, isn't it? It's like a bad cold. Yeah. It's like a flu. Oh, it's fine. No, it's just. Yeah, it was. It was a bit oh, blow over. You know, it's it's kind of okay. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize it go on this long. I know, but I do think people are ready now, aren't they? Just to start living their life. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I mean, like I say, look, I, I find that. 
when I meet people now, it is it is hugging again, isn't it? It is that kind yeah. of oh, nice to see you and stuff. And but I do think there is an element where we can't forget that you know there are some quite vulnerable people out there that should they get this, it's it's going to be pretty bad for them. Um, yeah, and it is still there. Yeah, 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 but um, but yeah, still, I'm still going to keep fist bumping anyway. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> so, um, so you, uh, one thing I do know about you is that you're taking on apprentices, aren't you, within your organisation? Yeah. Honestly, so- oh yes, we have. We've even one of our apprentices recently won an award for best kind of newcomer as well. And uh, yeah, sorry, can you please ask a question. I'm just no, 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 go. go. Oh, it's exciting that you're excited. So, yeah, what no, made really- you decide to go down that that road route? Um, so I, I I I think to be honest with you, again like HR, HR is quite a glamorous place to work in. It wasn't, I don't think. It was always like the they're going to get shot for saying this. But you remember HR like 10, 15 years ago? They were a bit kind of fun police. You know? Yeah. And then it's actually become quite a, a, an attractive place to work for young people. HR it never seemed to be. And maybe that's me getting it wrong, but that's just my opinion. And and I think that's one of the reasons I thought payroll. Actually, I'm kind of. We've, we've talked about making pay, payroll glamorous and I think yeah. payroll being glamorous would be amazing to see or just a bit cooler. Um, and, and with the apprenticeship, what, we, what we're trying to do is trying to attract younger people into the payroll industry. And we're, we're so kind of encouraging of that, that obviously we, we want to kind of kind of part support that process as well. And, and I can tell you now is everybody that's joined the business under that scheme and who's worked with some more of the experienced payroll payroll people? They tell me they they love it, and and it's great. So and the scheme's working well, and the guys on the scheme are, are love. They tell me that they're loving it, so it's working. I just wish more people had adopted it. I know. I'm hoping people will. One of the things um, which I love in the geek, you know, like the geek factor of it. So we have um, we've had a few uh, apprentices and one apprentice, um, she was a slightly more mature lady, I'd say. And she was really nervous. So on the call, she was really nervous. And I was like, you know, don't be, don't be nervous. It'd be right. You know, we're here to support you. And, you know, and you know if you ever need anything you know really trying to reassure her and after three months she's like I've got a fire in my belly (laughs) yeah yeah but but this is it this is the same reason I asked the question who apart from those there was a young Irish lady at your conference recently she's the first person to ever put her hand up when I said who chose to enter a career payroll um on you there was a yeah. name I always remember on you so she put her hand up but but that's the thing isn't it because most people get into it and they stay in it because it, it's 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 great and there's not many you know so that's the you know the people that have been in it have been in it years as well so they've joined accidentally kind of found this thing that was like I didn't even know this existed this whole payroll yeah. thing you know I'd never put the two things of being paid and payroll together um so and, yeah, do you think it's the satisfaction you get from it? Do you reckon it's like every month or every week you've got a satisfaction of actually doing something think, and it's... Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think for me, for what it was, it was the fact that, you know, when you when you worked in a payroll department and everyone got paid and you didn't have many queries or, or you know, I, there is an element of satisfaction. Just think, you know, do you know, what, you know don't don't mess with me because I run your payroll. So I think there's something quite <laughs> cool about that. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think it is. Re- I find it really rewarding. You know, there's a there's a shed load of work to do as you go into payroll to get everything ready. Then the processing of itself is actually quite quite a small bit of it. And then the post processing afterwards is is kind of, you know, but it is a lot of like analytical work as well. And then dealing you are dealing with people who have queries and, you know, the people didn't get this because of that. And, 
trying to figure it out and investigating why and then reporting that. But I just think there's so many elements of it that actually tick a lot of boxes, but nobody kind of really realises that happens. And that's just really rubbish, to be honest. I just think you press a button and then that's yeah. it. And then it gets yeah, yeah. done. I mean, I, I was talking to a company recently and they've spent they've spent literally millions on a HR system, literally millions on a new HR system. But they've left payroll on the side because they thought, well, I'm not going to mess around with that because that's kind of quite high risk. Right. If we're going to screw that up, then no, I'm going to lose my job. So they've left that. So whilst they've got all these employees and managers and everybody using this amazing HR system, what it doesn't do is do anything, doesn't pass anything to payroll. So what they're doing is they're dropping out data from this new flash amazing and then they're keying the data into the payroll system. <laughs> so you're thinking, so the employees are thinking, love this system, this is amazing. But then you've got this whole and so they've had to hire quite a lot of people to do what is essentially that double keying of wow. in the payroll system. And you think, but that you could have just ticked that straight off by just adding yeah. that to the big investment in HR. You know, we hear that so much from the GPA. Like we have senior people join the GPA that maybe HR directors or whatever because they've done they've gone through this massive HR project and then there's little old payroll on the side. <laughs> Any, they've, anybody, got to, they've got to sort out. Well, anybody that you speak to who who asks the question, what you're going to do about payroll, has been through once at least one cycle of what yeah. I'm just giving you the example about but it's amazing you know because you think about HR directors finance directors or and many people won't have replaced a HR payroll system in their career at all so actually when they do do it it's the kind of first time isn't it I mean it's like like but I think I think that's the thing is if 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 nobody has asked the question about payroll it's because nobody's probably done this before yeah, and it and it's mad, isn't it? Um, there was a, an article, so it's not related, but it's sort of related. There was an article um in Australia about a guy who been awarded one point three million Australian dollars, um, because he was suffering from mental health issues after working for, um, I think it was a, a local government sort of um department, but dealing with the payroll. So he'd gone in as a contractor to run the payroll, and then people left, and then they wouldn't allow him to re-recruit so he had to work long hours to try and get the pay you know all that sort of stuff it's and i'm sure it's well it's got to be that people just don't understand what payroll does no no and i mean and the best thing actually that i mean hats off to them for for kind of but that's a typical example of a payroll person right they stuck it out all the odds are against them but do you know what they one thing they didn't want to do is let the employees down regarding their pay and and again the best thing that could have happened there is he just went you know what i'm out yeah yeah and then it would have been better for him himself it would have been better for him but it also long term it would have been better for the organization to have a bit of a reality check of how business critical payroll is yeah, but it would yeah. have been at the expense of employees and employee engagement. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever worked in a company or around a company where they've missed payroll. No, it's it's quite an interesting place to be. Um, I've generally been on the back of a company having done that <clears throat> as in a kind of, you know, a reinstatement effort to get them back on track. But it goes on for months and months and months and months and months because the retrospective impacts of just getting some payout to then adjust it and then recalculate and readjust and readjust and then but and then loads of people but when it's settled they just go because they just think you know what that was so painful for me in my personal life 
You know, I defaulted yeah. on my mortgage. I defaulted on my car loan. I couldn't do the weekly shop. So, you know, why why should that impact the employee? Because some lack of diligence in, in an operational role in the in the in the company. I do know of one person that hadn't run payroll before, and they uh, were in charge of a UK a UK weekly payroll for a recruitment agency. I didn't work for the agency, so it was like somebody independent. And he decided not to pay people before Christmas all the temps because it was too the uh, pay period was too short. So he just said, "I'll leave it, and we'll sort it out after Christmas." Oh, and then. Wow. And I and then he wondered why he had so many complaints from people. But you know, from the payroll perspective, I just thought, oh my god, those employees. You know, you didn't yeah. think of the anyway. Well, can but you imagine, can you imagine if, if you've ever worked for a company where they've had to do pay advances? Let's say somebody's an employee's got some elements of hardship, and they've asked for an advance, and you go through the process of doing an advance. That takes quite a bit of time, from you know flagging it up to the approval to the setting up to the you know arranging the advance to actually paying the employee. Imagine doing that on on like on a scale because you've not paid anyone. So that's the first thing you've essentially got to do to solve that problem. But yeah, I, I just think it's just it's just not acceptable to be honest. No, and it's cool. we we could I reckon we could spend a good old two hours like yeah. oh yeah. Putting the world to rise. We horror stories, don't we? The worst horror I stories. <laughs> I know. I think there's less horror stories now, maybe because the systems are yeah, better. And there's still the man-made horror stories, isn't it? Like that person who decided not to pay somebody because he didn't understand payroll and, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing I've always said as well is generally when you sign a contract of employment, there is a payment date in that contract which obviously is essentially a contractual obligation from employer to employee so if you miss that i'm no lawyer but i would i would probably see that as being a breach of contract yeah so then you start to think well what isn't in the contract is that i'll provide you with a really nice swanky hr solution and portal to to put your holidays in and view your payslip that isn't in the contract but the one just go to what's in the contract i've always said that and the one thing that's in the contract is the amount and the date. Yeah, not 100%. The <laughs> it's not the only legal part, isn't it? Or one of the very few legal parts. Yeah, yeah. just think, well, just start there. Once that's ticked and you've got that ticked to the point where it can never be unticked, then start looking at other things. But it's amazing that it just, I don't know, it's, yeah, it's just a visual thing, isn't it, really? I think the using of the systems and the technology that's so important. But actually, don't forget what really is important. Yeah, 100%. Paying people. So um, we're coming to an end. Are we? Yeah, we are. That's gone nice and quick. Honestly, we could could literally carry on. I think it's the first time we've ever spent an hour together and not been a bit tiddly after it. (laughs) Yes, you're right. So what what bit of advice would you give to anybody that's sort of new into their career in payroll? Uh, Oh, God, crikey. What would I say? I'd say if you're serious about staying in the industry and you're lucky enough to work with somebody called Beryl or Bob, who's been in the payroll industry for 50 million years, just literally soak up what they know. Yeah. Because the what I will say is that the raw skill of payroll is replaced by technology a lot now. And I think I said at the start of this call, you know, I used to be able to do a gross to net manually. I don't think there's not that many especially at an entry level could probably do that and i'll probably get shot for saying that but it was when it when i started in parallel you had to 
in fact, it was a test in one of my job ap- applications, I think. I fairly got tested on that once, is to do a gross to net, work out tax codes and things. Um, and I think that's the thing is, you know, I know the people that, that um, I've worked with who've been in payroll a long time, they just know stuff that is just, you just, just, soak that up pensions pension legislation find somebody with that and i think you know if you're serious about it um yeah try and learn off the people who've been doing it for a long time there's so many uh, retiring now aren't there because yeah. of covid and everything else that they're just like yeah i'm i'm leaving so you're right suck up as much information as you can absolutely, from, absolutely. From I've, I've always likened payroll to a golf club trying to incentivize young people to join because their older members are are not are leaving for one one you know for whatever reason but yeah i mean that that's i think what the industry has to do is there will be a mass exodus of the true payroller in this next decade and i think as an industry we either get rid of the problem to a supplier but but if that doesn't work for you you've got to do exactly what the supplier will be doing which will be preparing for the same problem you'll be facing if you keep it in house well, thanks then, Will. Is there anything that I've missed out at all while we've been talking? Oh, I'm more worried about what you'll keep in, if I'm honest. <laughs> I've sl- I think I've slated HR, finance, <laughs> uh, in payroll a little bit, uh, procurement. I've already had a go. Yeah. It's... No, no, it's all good. Because, uh, you know, this, these are the conversations we have with every single payroll person pretty much, isn't it? Everyone talks about HR or, or yeah. whatever. So but it's been really interesting. Thanks, Will. And, oh, thanks, um, I'm brilliant. sure we could have spoken for about two hours on yeah, well, so you, much you more. Know you know where I am. I'm always around. All right. Thanks a lot, Will. Cool. Take care. <laughs> the Humans of Payroll podcast is recorded in partnership with Amidis. Amidis is the leader in consolidated global payroll solutions, processing payroll in over 150 countries, the Amidis platform provides a unified view of global payroll operations, real-time data analytics and advanced reporting capability while ensuring legislative compliance and data security. Amidis's deep integration capabilities with HCM and finance providers dramatically simplifies multi-country payroll obligations. Mm-hmm.